Hey, motherfuckers. Pardon this interruption for one second as I give one of my usual disclaimers that's very necessary to say. Look, I might talk real good sometimes, but please know that I am just a traumatized motherfucker like you. I research trauma, I relate my own discoveries to our shared experiences, and I share my own reflections on this roller coaster life that I think most of us have known as complex PTSD. But I'm not a professional. I am a master's student in behavioral science. I am a former cellular biologist. I am okay at relaying words that describe the baffling experiences of living with disintegrated, obsessive, and attentionally disordered trauma brains that tend to be riddled with anxiety, depression, and self-fucking destruction. And I'm very, very happy to help in any way that I can. But that's it. As part of our trauma patterning challenges, I think sometimes we get into trauma danger territory when expectations for our shared connections get a little too high. Read every codependent relationship and narcissistic problem in our pasts. Am I right? Yeah. That's it, fuckers. I'm saying I can't counsel you. I can't give you advice without a shrug that comes with. I also can't read your mind or avoid every single person's every trigger. I cannot address every human's individual circumstances. I can only speak from my perspective, from the research, and from those stories that are shared in the traumatized motherfuckers community. Everything else is sort of up to you which I realize is a problem with all of the learned helplessness that we have with our trauma selves and with the tendency we have to believe that every person on this planet knows more than we do. But we all got to do it. So, hey, I think that you should start at the beginning of the show if you are still looking for some early trauma learnings. There's a lot to catch up on straight from my fucked up life to yours. But around here, my name is Jess. I'm just a traumatized motherfucker sharing the good news that you are not alone in feeling broken and damaged and doomed. And I'm here doing my best to support your recovery while I also still have to tackle and manage my own. So I can't wait to meet you and to hang out with you in the community, to see you on the Instagram page, and to keep on this trauma brain-busting journey together. You are not the only one who's always felt this way, and you don't have to wander this alone. But let's get to it, all right? Cheers, fuckers. What's up, motherfuckers? It's me, Jess. So today I've been thinking a bit about emotional detachment or numbing or dissociation, however you want to label it. If you're anything like me, uh, you probably go through these periods of a lot of emotions and periods of zero emotions. So I was pretty happy the other day when I did a really quick search and immediately found an article that lent merit to what I've been thinking. There's some kind of basis for this sensation. It's not just a defense mechanism that I alone have built up over my lifetime. So first I want to touch briefly on this article that just describes 
what is emotional dissociation. And then I'm going to talk a bit about how that has worked in my life or, you know, not worked in my life. So first of all, uh, if you want to check out the original source for this, head over to the blog and you will find it under emotional dissociation, have an article I didn't write. And you can check that out for yourself. I am not taking credit for the next few minutes of what I'm about to say. You'll know when I switch over to my own personal writing, I promise. So first of all, what is dissociation? Dissociation or emotional detachment is a defense mechanism used to cope with distressing or overwhelming emotions. It involves disconnection between your thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. Often it begins as avoidance of past memories of traumatic events or of negative emotions. Yeah, that sounds right. While all of us experience this emotional detachment from time to time, have you ever binge watched an entire Netflix series without knowing where time has gone or zoned out on the highway and completely missed your exit? Yes and yes. Dissociation is particularly common in survivors of trauma. With past experiences of abuse or trauma, dissociation serves as a survival tactic that keeps us from becoming overwhelmed by the pain or trauma we are experiencing. Dissociation is particularly common with sexual abuse or assault, and it is associated with symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. However, as we adopt these patterns of emotional detachment that were helpful in the past, they can become patterns we continue with later on in life, putting us in constant survival mode. Mm -hmm. Often dissociation is caused by parents who do not teach emotional regulation skills to their children, and therefore children don't know how to cope with these emotions when they surface and are overwhelmed by them. Amen. In extreme cases with severe trauma, Dissociation can transform into a more serious psychological disorder. However, most often the process of dissociation does not lead to this extreme. In fact, most people emotionally detach from time to time, and it doesn't turn into a more severe disorder. However, it can impact struggles with depression or anxiety as numbness, numbness sets in and replaces healthy experiences of emotion. Yes. How do I know I'm dissociated? It is incredibly easy to dissociate in our daily life. We have so many opportunities to be entertained or distracted. We check out and avoid because life is too painful or stressful. This detachment can be functional and can seem like it works to control emotions, but you might find that dissociation eventually controls you. Here are some indicators that you might be dissociated. Numbness, apathy, memory gaps, feeling of being outside of yourself as an observer of your life, feeling disconnected from surroundings, checking out or drifting off, feeling as though the world around you is distorted or not real, avoiding or stuffing emotions, daydreaming, and difficulty remembering events. Yeah. How can I change dissociation in my life? 
When you notice emotional detachment or dissociation in your life, there are several ways that you can choose to recenter yourself and connect to those emotions that you find yourself avoiding. Practice a grounding exercise. The first step in getting in touch with your emotions involves slowing down your physiological reaction and paying attention to your body. This can happen as you practice mindfulness and breathing exercises that allow you to observe the sensations you feel inside yourself. A particular favorite of this author is the 54321 senses exercise referenced in this link article, which helps you connect with what you see, hear, feel, smell, and taste right in front of you. Remind yourself that you are in a safe, and present moment. In the midst of these grounding exercises, emotions can arise that you didn't know were there. In these moments, you might find yourself triggered by a past memory or anxious about an upcoming event. Repeating key phrases during this grounding exercise like, I am safe now, I can handle what is coming in my life, or any statement that helps you to find peace can ease this pain. Pay attention to where emotions are centered in your body. When you begin to identify the emotions that arise, notice where you can feel the sensation most clearly in your body. Often when I meet with children, I'll have them color an outline of their bodies with colors that represent different emotions in terms of where they feel that emotion most frequently in their body. If you aren't currently feeling any strong emotion, spend some time thinking of the major emotions, happy, sad, angry, afraid, and how you would describe their presence in your body in the past. Keep an emotions journal, fuck yeah. Often we aren't aware of our emotions because we're moving too quickly through life or we don't take the time to identify them. Mm -hmm. Instead of rushing through your day without checking in on your emotions, spend a set time each day reflecting on your emotions and how they affect you. Use a tool like this feelings wheel, linked here, to answer the following questions. What am I feeling right now? How do I know I'm feeling that emotion? Where does that emotion center in my body? What triggered this feeling? What do I want to do because I feel this way? And how do I wish I was feeling? Look for patterns in your emotions and how you respond to them over time. Notice if there are certain emotions that lead to dissociation. Identify if there are times you felt that emotion in the past, which may lead you to want to avoid it in the present day. Self-soothe when you're experiencing negative emotions. Our emotions serve as a red flag indicating unmet needs or desires in our lives. Use these indicators to consider the desires you're feeling and seek to either care for those needs or self-soothe in ways that calm your emotions. Feeling angry? Take some time to exercise to release the pent-up energy. Feeling sad? Practice good self-care by taking a bath and soaking in warm water. Feeling stressed? Give yourself a day off to relax around the house and do something you love. As you begin to approach dissociation or emotional attachment differently, you'll find yourself integrating emotion into your life differently. While this process may be painful at first, 
With time, you'll come to appreciate the richness of your ability to access emotions throughout your life. All right, so that's this author's take on dissociation and ways to deal with it. I think that these are really helpful coping skills that anyone could help benefit their lives with. I would say that I have to go through all of these on a <laughs> regular basis throughout every single day. I definitely lean heavily on the emotional journaling and checking in, noticing what's happening and kind of analyzing my behaviors to figure out how I can change that experience and how I'm reacting to it. So I think this was a great article. I recommend checking it out for yourself so you can read it and kind of process it a little bit differently. Again, you can find that one over at Emotional Dissociation. Have an article I didn't write at t-mfrs.com. All right, so concludes part one of this little discussion on dissociation and trauma. Now I'm going to talk about it from my perspective, my personal experience with emotional numbing and that dissociative detachment from my <laughs> feelings as a defense mechanism. So what is there to say about emotions in the life of a traumatized motherfucker? Uh, a whole lot. They're either here making their presence known in an overwhelming manner that leaves you debilitated to handle the rest of your personal stressors or out to sea floating far away from your present plane of existence for indefinite periods of time. Yeah, emotions remain a confusing, sometimes elusive, and always unpredictable part of my life. Go big or go home seems to be the name of the game. And for everyone sitting in the stands, well, it's going to be a show, that's for sure. Some days you might interact with me and think, that is the coldest, most monotone bitch I've ever met. And other times it's more of a, holy shit, that was a wild ride theme park experience. Which dress are you going to get today? Depends largely on what all is going on in my life and my trauma brain. So what is the difference between these two emotional states, physiologically speaking? Uh, usually my level of dissociation. So origins, the emotional switch. Growing up, I was always told that I was too emotional, too sensitive, too full of feelings that inconvenienced other people. Now, to be fair, yeah, I cried when bugs hit the windshield, when I saw a 10-day-old roadkill, when my brothers mocked me behind my mom's back. Sure, sensitive, empathetic, but also when my only friend at school ditched me like all my other friends had, when my dad wanted nothing to do with me, when he skulked around the house breaking things. Yeah, there were reasons. I, I had feelings. I definitely had abundant empathy, and I also had some unfavorable life factors that stirred up emotions. And no, I wasn't able to just turn them off whenever my throat started choking up, which I vividly remember made my family very mad. But don't worry, fuckers, because I learned eventually when I was in high school, I learned to dissociate very well. I actually remember the day distinctly. 
my oldest brother had overdosed again. Our morning started with the discovery of his near lifeless body in the bathroom, barricaded into the tiny space with the shower running to hide his activities again. What else is new? So after the paramedics came and went, after my brother went from purple back to a pasty white boy, after the police came and confiscated his paraphernalia, I went to high school. Pack up your shit, don't be late for study hall. Like nothing happened, like I should be fine, like always. During this time, my brother's penchant for heroin was only part of the problematic family playbook. Yeah, sure, he was constantly stealing all of our shit, getting arrested, dropping off the face of the earth, dying, or nearly dying, abusing my family members, and all the other fun times that come with severe drug addiction. But at the same time, we were still being threatened and stalked by my estranged father, also a drug addict. Years after he was removed from our household by legal force, he was not taking the hint and fading away. Far from it. <laughs> I laid awake at night and waited for him to make good on his promises. I lived in constant fear. So what else could be contributing to this madness? Oh, you know, just living below the poverty line as my single mom tried to support three kids without any help or even a college education. Struggling to get by every month and hearing all about it was definitely not a super great way to grow up. It uh, maybe created some scarcity problems for me in the long term. And my mom's work-induced explosions were a treat to contend with, too. So, yeah, as you might imagine, I had a lot of big feelings about all of these events and patterns. But I had no one to talk to and no way to escape it. Our extended family didn't even know what our household was like, let alone the kids and the teachers at school. This drama is not really the sort of thing that brings people together when the other parties have a regular, supportive home environment. And meanwhile, you can't count the number of times you've had the police called to your house in the last month alone. So that day, like every day, my only option was to carry on and to fucking pretend that everything was totally fine at home while I attended school and worked a nearly full-time job in retail. Wipe up the tears, pull yourself up by your PetSmart uniform, and keep that GPA above a 4.0. That morning when my oldest brother OD'd again, that's the day when I remember something new and, at the time, interesting happening. Instead of feeling low down, overwhelmed, and emotionally disparate all day as I ground my way through the idiotic public school system, I felt nothing. Not a thing. The emotions were there one moment, and poof, they were gone the next. I went about my business, I finished my school day, I went to work, and I reported back home in time to do my homework. Get up early, do the whole thing all over again. Huh, I thought, looking back on my successful day of masquerading as a normal human. I don't know what the fuck this feeling is, but that's pretty cool. Like an emotional switch just got flipped. 10 or 15 years later, um, I really wouldn't think that this sensation was so chill. 
I would be battling against it, trying to restore some sense of normalcy in my emotional life, which now wildly fluctuated from zero to a hundred, but rarely settled anywhere in between. Power outage. After this first occurrence of emotional numbing, aka emotional detachment or emotional dissociation, it became the normal MO for my life. Rarely feeling, rarely being present in my body, rarely having a sense of living the life I was watching unfold before me. Things didn't get better for me at home. Life was constantly throwing new curveballs in my own personal development. Events were always unpredictable, incredibly stressful, and necessitating a hold on by the skin of your teeth mentality. As a response, my brain continued to bolster this newfound defense mechanism of shutting the fuck down when times were too chaotic to handle. It was like my brain and body operated independently of one another, physical sensations and emotions included. So publicly, I got pretty skilled at showing up with a smile on my face, being the life of the party and working 16 hour days. Privately, I was adept at starving myself, pumping my body full of chemicals, and keeping my head down so I wouldn't see all the corpses floating around me. I did normal kid stuff. I attended college. I held demanding jobs. I had more friends and boyfriends than I could remember now, but I never felt normal. During this time, I don't think I even realized that I barely felt anything at all. I was great at telling people to get fucked and moving on without a second thought. I was tough enough to withstand long, difficult days. I was amazingly ambitious when it came to keeping my focus on my academic obligations. And I really never realized that these, quote, abilities came riding along in the sidecar of my heightened dissociation tendencies. I really just thought I was uniquely work-centered and goddamn tired of people's bullshit. Well, and that last part is true. I never even noticed that these drives came with the absence of, well, feeling any feelings. Until the day that my feelings came back. The rubber band effect. What happens when you suppress your emotions for 10 years or so in order to put on a high-functioning mask for the world? Fucker, if you're like me, they come back. With a vengeance, making up for lost time, and ready to bowl you over after years of being ignored. Somewhere in my early 20s, I say somewhere, but I know I was 23, something changed. I met a boy who I fell head over heels for. It has been my only instance of love at first sight, which I never believed was real before this split second changed my mind forever. I was immediately full of feels, unlike what I had experienced in five years easily. The excitement, the longing, the confusion, it was butterflies day and night from our long distance semi-relationship. I thought I had found him, the boy who was always meant to be mine. It was a preteen movie in real life. And then it fell apart, and I was cap catapulted into much worse feels than I had ever thought possible. Not only was the failure, rejection, and sadness from this romantic relationship dissolution dancing through my head and broken heart, 
which is enough to drive plenty of men to the brink of madness. But with it, uh, you know, 10 years or so of long lost, deeply repressed emotions came pouring back into my brain and body. And I had no idea what was going on. Imagine going from a deep sleep under the influence of anesthesia to waking up in a room full of blaring sirens and flashing emergency lights. Yeah, that's my early 20s. All of that depression, anxiety, fear, frustration, and heartbreak that was gathering dust from the past decade while sitting hidden in a dark, untouched corner. (laughs) Get the fuck ready. It's coming at you hot all at once with no emotional education or coping skills under your belt. It's like being hit by a train. You fucking know that I fought against those emotions with all my might. I didn't want to wallow. I didn't want to be angry about my shitty struggle bus life. I didn't want to recognize the shit that I had been blocking out since about age 14. But here it all was. The repressed pain and fear and shame bubbling up to the surface after a decade underground. And that's the year that I fell sick with my autoimmune disease. Coincidence? (laughs) The emotional ebb and flow. And so it continued. (laughs) For the next several years, I flip-flopped back and forth, desperately trying to repress my feelings and finding my world was crumbling down when they popped back up anyways being blindsided by every emotion I experienced and having no idea how to deal with them. I saw feelings as being negative, dangerous, and unnecessary. Even as I lost my grip on that emotional switch, I did everything that I could to just turn them away at the door. Distract, detach, desensitize. For weeks or months, my emotional shutdown efforts would work. And I genuinely prided myself on being a cold, numb bitch. I bragged about my unemotional lifestyle. I kicked back, feeling superior to everyone who was so busy complaining about their personal pain while I was untouched by life. Unbothered by the assholes who continued to test my last nerve. Unmarred from the early life that clearly hadn't impacted me. (laughs) Haha. Yeah. But inevitably, these feelings would present again whether I was ready or not. And now, the years of avoidance made them sticky like jelly on my hands without access to running water. So began my era of falling into deep pits that I couldn't climb my way out of, getting trapped in depressive spells, being overwhelmed by anxiety and fear, finding guilt and shame were unshakable, Lying, isolated and alone in my apartment, unable to think straight, to quell the raging waves in my body, or to place the constant discomfort that plagued my everyday living. Sick with physical illnesses, packed to the brim with mental illnesses, churning with unresolved, unnameable, negative emotions, and unsure how to separate the three. Just royally fucked, to put it simply an entanglement of issues that no one wanted to talk about, even if they had the words, myself included. The consequences of a life avoided from a first-person perspective. My emotional life today. 
So surely I've got a grip on these feelings at this point, yeah? I mean, I often write as if I understand them pretty solidly. Don't avoid them. Lean in. It's okay to feel what you feel. Resolve them before they stick it to you. Yeah, it's great to hear that everything is all ironed out and neatly folded, right? Yeah, no, not exactly. Today, I'm still in a constant battle of me versus my dissociation. It is better, don't get me wrong. When I notice that I have something going on inside, I can actually deal with it and move along pretty rapidly. But there are many times when it feels like I suddenly wake up from a long dream and realize that I wasn't really experiencing my life as it happened. There are many times when, quote, dangerous emotions are still shuttled to some inaccessible tomb deep inside my rotting gut, when things are too overwhelming, too powerful, or too challenging to my personal progress, and my brain box still shuts down that shit right away with dissociative and avoidant defenses. And just like before, I am usually none the wiser. No internal alarm system goes off to tell me that I'm in defense mechanism mode. I don't seem to realize that I'm living with one foot in a dream world, hiding the more nightmarish aspects of life for an equally inconvenient future date. Instead, I just go about my business, keeping myself tied up with working way too much, caring too much about other people's shit, and not paying any attention to my own bodily detachment. Until one day when it presents again. A bloated, churning, aggressive batch of pissed off inner experiences that probably could have been handled one by one instead of dozen by dozen. And so begins the long, arduous task of unraveling old emotions as new ones continue to flood in. So marks the start of my emotional days when my sensitivity and agitation peak around 11 out of 10. So invites all the comments from unknowing onlookers, repeating the same sentiments I've heard since age five. You're so emotional. You're too sensitive. I don't understand your feelings. Me either, fucker. Me either. (laughs) All right, y'all. That's been my personal reporting on emotional detachment and dissociation in my life. As always, there's a lot more to say, but I sit down and I write and then I am done. Reading kind of goes the same way. If you have something else to say, I'd love to hear it though. If you could just write into me, that would be awesome. I also now have a page on the website so you can contribute your own audio recordings if you're interested in being featured on any of the episodes, or if that's just a more comfortable way for you to communicate, that too. If you head over to t-mfrs.com and go to the sub page under the podcast page, there is one called Contribute. And I have various places where you can upload your audio recordings on various topics or on the a la carte interview project. You'll see. It'll make sense when you get there. If you're uncomfortable with your voice being featured because it sucks to hear yourself, it really does, feel free to just write in to me. I have links so that you can upload your uh, writing documents instead. 
and I will read them for you or put them on the blog if you're more familiar with that. So that's it. That's been my little reflection on another aspect of my emotional life that continues to throw me and everyone off. Emotional detachment and dissociation. If you have anything else to say, hit me up. If you'd like to jump into the online Discord community, you can do that on the join section of the website. And if you have any feedback for the podcast, feel free to write in at any point and I'll do my best to make it better. That's it, y'all. My name's Jess. Try to feel today and stay in your body if you can. I'll be coming back at you soon with some other trauma research. Later, guys. And I still believe that we're not that hopeless. We're not as fucked as you think in short moments. We can't do anything. The fucking joke is we're winning when you blink in short moments.